press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Monday, June 6. An Australian Air Force maritime reconnaissance aircraft was aggressively challenged by a Chinese J-16 fighter in international airspace over the South China Sea. The government says the incident occurred on May 26, just after Anthony Albanese's appearance at the Quad meeting, where he and other world leaders discussed the threat posed by China. The Australian aviators were unharmed, but Australia has launched a diplomatic complaint with Beijing. Defence Minister Richard Marles said the J-16 pulled alongside the Australian P-8 Poseidon and released flares. The J-16 then accelerated and cut across the nose of the P-8, settling in front of the P-8 at very close distance. At that moment, it then released a bundle of chaff which contains small pieces of aluminium, some of which were ingested into the engine of the P-8 aircraft. Quite obviously, this is very dangerous. Ten women in shadow cabinet and a generational clean-out. Opposition leader Peter Dutton has stamped his authority on the federal coalition. Andrew Hastie will be shadow defence minister. Julian Lisa is shadow attorney-general. Jane Hume will take the finance portfolio and Ted O'Brien takes on climate change and energy. Angus Taylor and Simon Birmingham will take Treasury and Foreign Affairs, while Alex Hawke, Linda Reynolds and Stuart Robert have been demoted. The Nationals will take six Shadow Cabinet positions. Investigative journalist Hedley Thomas has doubled down on his commitment to get justice for Shandy Blackburn, the 23-year-old stabbed to death in 2013 in the wake of new revelations about failures at one of the country's most important forensic crime labs. Investigating police believe the hunt for her killer was obstructed by the lab. Later in the episode, I'll be joined by Headley with news on a new phase of his investigation and what he's learned about abusive relationships. Rex Airlines is struggling to fill its flights, according to an investigation by The Australian, with some 737 jets on major East Coast routes carrying just 10 passengers. It comes as aviation struggles to recover from the pandemic, amid soaring fuel prices and staff shortages. Kyla Lusikian is The Australian's business editor and joins me now. Rex's main business has for many years been, you know, obviously the airline's called Regional Express. It's flying to the regions. But last year, they decided to embark on basically a new push to connect the capital cities and some other major destinations. So they're flying now from Sydney to Melbourne, Sydney to Brisbane, and they're also flying from Brisbane to Melbourne and from Sydney to the Gold Coast. For a while there, it looked like Virgin was in a whole bunch of strife It was unclear whether they were really going to make it through the pandemic. Obviously, they had collapsed into administration. And, you know, Australia has traditionally had two airlines servicing some of those large capital cities. Perhaps there was a view at Rex that they could be that second airline. So that's kind of what got our interest, really, just to check how that strategy was going. 
there's a lot of people in the aviation industry talking about the low numbers, so we thought the best thing to do was to try to check it out for ourselves. Now, the numbers aren't publicly available, they're not published anywhere, so essentially we've had journalists at Sydney Airport and at Brisbane Airport through last week counting the number of people going on and off these various Rex flights. And the starting point is that these planes, these 737s, have passenger capacity of just over 170. There was one flight from Sydney to the Gold Coast. There were only seven people on that plane, which is just absolutely staggering. There were plenty of flights from Sydney to Brisbane, for instance, or vice versa, where you had 30, 40 people. So we're talking about some of these flights being basically a quarter full, less than a third full. So I'm not sure how it's possible for some of these flights to be profitable. Kyla Lusikian is The Australian's business editor. Rex has confirmed it is struggling to fill weekday flights, but says its weekend services are often full. A new documentary is airing this week on Sky News Australia. It covers one of Australia's most gripping cold cases, the unsolved murder of young Mackay woman Shandy Blackburn, who was just 23 when she was viciously stabbed to death while she walked home from work. It's balmy outside. Summer's not quite over in this tropical coastal community in central Queensland, and Shandy is on foot. She is walking unwittingly towards her murderer, In 15 minutes and 29 seconds, a knife is going to be thrust with powerful, relentless force. Shandy doesn't know this, but I know it. Shandy's case was investigated by the Australian's National Chief Correspondent, Hedley Thomas, for his top-rating podcast, Shandy's Story, and Hedley's worked on the documentary that's about to be aired. Hedley joins me now. Hedley, this story captivated Australia, didn't it, Shandy's story? And it's partly thanks to you as one of the producers of the podcast. I've got to give credit where it's due. We did 18 episodes for Shandy's story and they spanned many months of late last year and earlier this year. And as a result, some extraordinary things were uncovered, particularly by the forensic biologist, Dr Kirsty Wright, who highlighted so many enormous concerns with the Queensland Government's DNA testing laboratory. The documentary that I've been working on with Sky News looks at Shandy's life, Shandy's relationship with her former boyfriend who was charged over her murder and then acquitted by a jury. There was no forensic evidence in the case against him. And there may be no forensic evidence against him. He's always denied wrongdoing. A coroner has found the ex-boyfriend of a woman brutally stabbed to death in Mackay was responsible for her death two years after a jury acquitted him of her murder. But what the documentary goes to, in addition to understanding the police investigation and Shandy's relationship with John Peros, are the issues that Dr Kersey Wright has raised in the Queensland lab. And the Queensland government is still looking to appoint a reviewer for this desktop review of the lab. It's not nearly good enough, says Kirsty Wright and other people who are familiar with the problems in that lab. They 
uh, saying that nothing short of a Royal Commission-style public inquiry in which lab managers and scientists are questioned under oath will be sufficient. We may yet get to that because the Crime and Corruption Commission is itself looking very closely at Dr Wright's allegations of official misconduct. We've actually had no rebuttal from the Queensland government, from the health minister in whose portfolio that laboratory sits, from the Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk. The Attorney General who I interviewed for the documentary, Shannon Fentiman, has acknowledged that this is a very serious issue and she did not want to stand up for the lab. We believe they know this laboratory has had big problems and the repercussions if this is as widespread as we suspect involving many hundreds of cases, cases that have involved very serious violent crimes, murders, rapes, serious assaults and of course property crime, the repercussions are enormous. And they're particularly enormous for women, aren't they, Headley? Because it's crimes against women often where DNA is incredibly useful, sexual assault, murder. Is it all rhetoric for the Queensland government to talk about women and caring about crime against women? It has felt like that, certainly for Shandy's mother, Vicky Blackburn, and her sister, Shana. They have pointed out the number of women in very senior positions in the Queensland government. Shannon Fentiman, the Attorney General and the Minister for Domestic Violence Against Women. Uh, the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk. The Health Minister, Yvette Darth. And the Commissioner of Police, Katerina Carroll. Very important positions held by highly intelligent women and this problem this very serious issue the subject of the most concerning allegations by a highly credentialed scientist who has not been rebutted by the lab are still not the subject of a far-reaching public inquiry in the state that's very disappointing Late last week, Headley's crusade got new impetus when an official review of that forensics laboratory found more than 30 cases had been bungled. That is, the lab had missed crucial DNA on exhibits it was asked by police to examine. That has enormous implications for violent and other crimes in Queensland. And now the government is under even more pressure to act. In a moment, more from my conversation with Headley Thomas, including how working on his award-winning investigative projects has helped open his eyes to the nature of abusive relationships. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.
I'm back with Hedley Thomas, the Australian's National Chief Correspondent, and we're discussing a new documentary he's made about Shandy Blackburn, a 23-year-old Queensland woman whose killer is still at large. Hedley has twice won the Gold Walkley, Australian journalism's highest honour, including for his 2018 podcast investigation, The Teacher's Pet. That story, the 1982 disappearance of Sydney mother Lynn Dawson, is playing out in court right now in the murder trial of her former husband, Christopher Dawson. Hedley, in the time that you've been doing podcast investigations between 2017 when you started working on The Teacher's Pet and now when you're doing this documentary on Shandy's story, the whole world has gained a new fluency in the way we talk about relationships and abuse. We all now know the meaning of phrases like gaslighting or coercive control, financial control. What was it like as a, uh, as a, a man looking at the entrails of this very tragic relationship that Shandy Blackburn had with John Peros? When you read the exchanges between John Peros and Shandy in text form, hundreds and hundreds of them that were taken from Shandy's iPhone 3, which she had dropped, you, you get a sense of some of the most extreme abuse and domestic violence. And I have to say that until I properly understood the nature of the way language can be used in relationships very savagely, I wouldn't have properly understood how domestic violence can be something other than physical violence. I just didn't appreciate the significance of how language in a relationship can be used to bludgeon somebody and potentially cause severe harm. One of the things about podcasting and print journalism, Headley, is that you can kind of fly under the radar a bit as a journo, can't you? You can you can be fairly unobtrusive. You can't be unobtrusive with a camera crew. What was it like going back to Mackay with cameras and boom mics in tow and trying to get the same level of, you know, candid authenticity that you achieved in the podcast? Uh, disconcerting in a word, Claire. <laughs> I, I feel much more comfortable with just a microphone, uh, introduce a camera, and it's uh, another layer of complexity. It was challenging, and I enjoyed that part of it. What was fantastic while doing the documentary was seeing the number of people who wanted to step up and talk, including a police officer who was on the murder scene within about half an hour of Shandy having been stabbed. He was clearly still moved by the savagery of the attack upon Shandy. But he was not the only police officer I spoke to. Detective Scott Furlong, who was in the Homicide Squad, was a very willing participant in the documentary. And I also talked to several of Shandy's friends, including Scott Phillips from New Zealand, who was living with Shandy and who heard some of the toxic messages that John Peros sent to Shandy. He heard those because they were sent via an app called Haytel and the messages were played by Shandy on her phone while she was sharing this flat with Scott. You know you're not my type to begin with. Grow up and realise you can't have me. We're not going to stop with Shandy's story, the documentary. We're going to keep pushing to make sure that this issue, particularly around the DNA laboratory, isn't covered up. They're not going to sweep this 
under the rug. We will get to the bottom of it. And I know that Dr. Kirsty Wright is as determined as she was a year ago when she and I first talked. Hedley Thomas's documentary, Shandy's Story, The Search for Justice, airs on Tuesday night on Sky News. You can catch it on Foxtel or Sky News Regional, and you can stream it anytime on Sky's on-demand service, Flash. Check it out at flashnews.com.au. Subscriptions are just $8 per month. You can also hear Hedley's work in our newest podcast, The Teacher's Trial, available wherever you get your audio. Thanks for joining us on The Front. We'll be back tomorrow with more of Australia's best journalism from theaustralian.com.au. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.